0: appropriate greetings, depending on where in the country you are. This is the Schmidt Show. I am in fact your host, Brad Schmidt. Thanks for joining me this morning. And uh, I think we uh, I think we've got a few of the things uh squared away here. Hopefully we're we're trying to get this uh this whole streaming thing. We've got the new studio going, and um we are um we're playing around and we're trying to make this thing happen, and so. I apologize for uh, the false start and the, uh, the stumble as we uh, have been doing the stuff that we've been doing this morning. Uh, Russian delusion, collusion. I mean, wait, no, delusion was right. Russian delusion. Um, the idea that uh, Russia and the Trump campaign colluded together um, has proven to be a big old bust. And I'm trying to, I apologize. This is, uh, there's some frustration here. I'm trying to get, we've got a streaming service that we're using to try and stream to multiple platforms at once. And it does not appear to be doing what it's supposed to be doing. Um, it does not appear to be streaming at any of the, um, the uh, platforms that it's supposed to be streaming at. We're trying to be on uh, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube all at the same time as kind of a trial run, um, and apparently none of them are working. Oh, hey, we got Twitch working, so that's good. Um, I'm not sure what happened to Twitter. We had Twitter working earlier. <laughs> we do not have Twitter working anymore. Um, and YouTube is not working at all. So I think that's a YouTube thing though. There it's just not behaving the way it's supposed to be behaving. So if you were looking for us on Facebook, um, right now we're not there. Um, we're on Twitch. Um, and I think what I'm going to do is I think I'm going to just throw this up here. Um, and, Unable. Oh, I don't have a camera on this computer, so I can't do that either. Um. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, we we're going to talk about Russian collusion this morning, so that's what matters. We're not going to spend a whole lot more time on this. For those of you who listen to the podcast, that's what matters anyway. So go to uh, podcast.theschmidtshow.com and uh, you, can, you can see us at podcast.theschmidtshow.com or listen to us or just go to theschmidtshow.com and you can see the live stream there. Uh, it's not the live stream of video, it's just a live stream of our chat room, which is at freenode uh, or at the Schmidt show or I'm sorry Schmidtheads on freenode or you can find us on telegram as well. so uh, different ways to listen to us or catch the live stream. Uh, we'll get all of the bugs worked out. We got the brand new studio for those of you who are who's seeing us online, you'll see that in the background there's the brand new studio. It doesn't look like we're uh, what you're used to seeing, so, Uh, All kinds of cool things happening here at the Schmidt Show and the Schmidt Show podcast. So let's get into the discussion. We're going to talk about Robert Mueller and his team, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Robert Mueller and the investigation that turned up essentially bupkis, not a darn thing. The discussion has been for the last two years by the left is that Mueller is going to be the guy who burns Donald Trump to the ground, that Robert Mueller is going to be the guy that that puts an end to all of the the, uh, the terrible, horrifying, destroyed things and like everything that Donald Trump has done to wreck the world is going to be put and or put to bed by Robert Mueller and his team because he's the fairest of the fair, the unbiased of the unbiased, and the uh, the the most aggressive of uh, truth seekers. And the shift that you're going to see over the next couple of weeks, over the next couple of days, and certainly all day today um, through the 24-hour news cycle, is that Robert Mueller was tainted. He was taken out of um, truth-telling mode and forced into lying mode by the Trumps, by Trump family, um, by Jared Kushner, by you know, the establishment, by the Republicans, by, uh, you name it, Mitch McConnell, you, Devin Noonan. I mean, you pick a name, they're going to come up with every excuse they can come up with to, to somehow shift away from the the fact that they found no collusion. They're going to do everything they can to discredit Robert Mueller and say that Mueller um, was, was not really Um, as unbiased as we originally thought Um, you I can, I can almost guarantee you that is going to be the mantra is that just because Mueller didn't find any collusion doesn't mean there wasn't any collusion. There's going to be, you know, Mueller was tainted. There's going to be um, the, the investigation was rigged. There's going to be uh, you know, all of the people like Manafort and, and all of these all lied Um, and, and all of the people that they interviewed, every single one of them lied and they all, you know, coordinated their stories. So Robert Mueller wasn't able to, um, to work out that they were actually lying. I mean, it's, it's going to be excuse after excuse, but in, in, uh, in response to that, or in, in preparation to kind of put that silly argument to bed, I want to talk a little bit about Robert Mueller's team. And this is an article that was put together by NBC news. Um, NBC News um, put together an article. Let's see, when was this? This was um, the 23rd of March. So we're talking last, well, on Saturday, they put this together. And the headline was, Meet Mueller's Team, the best prosecutors in the business or, quote-unquote, angry Democrats. They know when to hold them and know when to fold them. President Donald Trump has derided the Robert Mueller team and had assembled to probe the Russian meddling in 2016 presidential election as angry Democrats operating a corrupt witch hunt, but the group has a stellar track record of rooting out corruption and walking away when they don't have enough to prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt. So the the groundwork was laid on Saturday before William Barr um, announced or, or wrote the letter talking about his summary of the Robert Mueller investigation. So they were convinced that this was going to be all the evidence they ever needed to put an end to Donald Trump. They were convinced that this was going to be the the final nail in the coffin for Trump and his administration. So they began, they, they thought, let's get some damage control out here. Let's make sure that we can prop up Robert Mueller's team and prove that they are the fairest of the fair, and the 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 justest of the justest, and that's not a word. I'm just you're you got it. There they I mean they were going to lay the groundwork that here's why we can trust Robert Mueller and his team. So, according to the article, Mueller's appointment as special counsel in 2017, there have been. 18 prosecutors and lawyers that have worked on the inquiry. Um, They were tasked with investigating, quote, any links and or coordination between the Russian government and individuals associated with the campaign of President Donald Trump, end quote. Um, They also were tasked with investigating any matters that, quote, may arise directly from the investigation, unquote. The probe resulted in 34 people in three companies being criminally charged, and there have been seven guilty pleas and one trial conviction. None of them related to Russian collusion in any way, shape, or form. Um, according to, um, uh, who's this Walden guy? I'm trying to figure out where he is. Um, there's a, uh, it doesn't say who Walden is. Jim Walden, a former federal prosecutor in Brooklyn, um, he said, "You've got a collection of prosecutors who covered some of the most high-profile and complex criminal investigations in the last 20 years." He said, "Every one of these prosecutors has walked away from cases that didn't fit their criteria. They're doing this because they want to do the right thing." So, let's look at a few of the um, few a uh, few of the members of the Mueller team. According to NBC News, Andrew Goldstein, he's been involved with the investigations into Trump's former longtime lawyer, Michael Cohen, um, his former advisor, Roger Stone, a former top public corruption prosecutor for then Manhattan U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara. Goldstein helped convict New York State Democratic powerhouse longtime Assembly Speaker Sheldon Silver on corruption charges. Goldstein was also involved in the 2017 decision not to charge Mayor Bill de Blasio in a bribery probe, um, even though a campaign donor pleaded guilty to trying to get favorable treatment through his contributions. Um, This guy has gone after everybody on both sides, says NBC News. Good dude. Solid prosecutor. Solid investigator. Fair. Just. Unbiased. Next, let's look at Greg Andres, or Andres former deputy assistant attorney general in the justice department's criminal division. Um, according to, uh, let's see what says he, he, Oh, Brasciano, um, or Basciano. He's a crime boss guy. He said that Greg Andres destroyed the Bonanno family. He ruined all of our lives. Cooperating witnesses, uh, Generosa Barbieri, AKA Jimmy, the general testified in Basciano's 2011 murder trial and said, we should make an example of him. They wanted the guy dead. Andres left the DOJ in 2012 and became a defense attorney at a New York, New York law firm. So that's Greg Andres. Then there is uh, Zainab Ahmad also worked in the Brooklyn U S attorney's office. She focused on terrorism. Um, Was involved with former Trump National Security Advisor Michael Flynn's guilty plea. There's James Quarles, I think that's how you pronounce that, or Quarles, who worked with Mueller in private practice at the Washington office, investigated president before in 73 to 75. He's an assistant special special prosecutor for the Watergate Special Prosecution Force. Uh, There was Jeannie Ree, who worked with Mueller and Quarles at Wilmer Hale. she, let's see, she advised the Attorney General of the White House and senior agency officials on constitutional, statutory, regulatory issues regarding criminal law. Um, Aaron Zebley, another Wilmer Hale alum. Um, he was the chief of staff at, or he was especially close to Mueller. He was his chief of staff at the FBI. Zebley's a former FBI agent who was involved in an international hunt for Al Qaeda terrorists. Um, there's Elizabeth Prelegar an appellate lawyer from the Office of the Solicitor General. Um, she, of, of course, of possible imp- importance, says the article to Mueller, she lived in Russia and studied Russian media while on a Fulbright scholarship before getting her law degree at Harvard. Um, have Has probably some special um, knowledge and wisdom there, having actually lived in Russia. Michael Dreben also came from the Solicitor General's office. He argued... He's argued more than 100 cases before the Supreme Court. Uh, chief, Jeff, chief Justice John Roberts, who as a lawyer, was Dreben's adver- adversary in the government attorney's first argument before the High Court, um, congratulated him when he hit the century mark in 2016. You're only the second person to reach the rare milestone this century, uh, said Roberts. Let's see. Uh, Andrew Weissman, chief of the Criminal Fraud section of the DOJ and a favorite target of conservative pundits. Um, there's Rush Atkinson, not to be confused with Rush Limbaugh worked under Weissman at the DOJ's criminal fraud section, um, specialized in financial fraud. Also worked on espionage cases. Aaron Zelinsky comes to the U S attorney's office in Maryland played good and bad cop while questioning witnesses in the Russia probe. Um, some of those witnesses told MSNBC's Ari Melber that Zelinsky, um, or is that, that's the, sorry. They told him he played both good and bad cop. Zelensky also um, clerk for Supreme Court justices Kennedy and Stevens um, was professional and asked appropriate questions. Former Trump advisor Sam Nunberg said. Um, another witness, James Corsi, said Zelensky was a thug who was acting up during his questioning. J- Jerome Corsey's the guy that was pushing the uh, the uh, he's WorldNet Daily. Uh, he was pushing the the. Um Obama birth certificate stuff. Um Adam Jed works as an appellate lawyer in the DOJ's office, civil division. Um, reportedly worked to keep some documents sealed from public view. Um Leg like Zelensky, he is also just uh, clerk for justice Stevens. Um there's Uzo Asonye, um, deputy deputy chief of the financial crimes and public corruption unit of the U.S. Attorney's Office. Um See some of the other members of the team that had already concluded their work. Um, Scott Meiser, or I'm sorry, Meisler, worked in the DOJ's criminal division. Um, Kyle Freeney worked in uh, DOJ's money laundering and asset forfeiture section. Uh, Brandon Van Grack, also involved in the Flint and Manafort plea deals. Ryan Dickey specialized in computer crime at the DOJ. Uh, Brian Richardson went to work as an appeals lawyer for Mueller after finishing up uh, clerkship at the Supreme Court uh, for Justice Breyer. He helped with the uh, with the case against Dutch lawyer Alex van der Zwan, who pleaded guilty to lying to Mueller's team about his dealings with Manafort deputy Rick Gates. Um, and so those are some of the names, and there was other people, and and of course other assistants and and whatnot involved in in this investigation, but. I, I put I point all of this out to to show that as much as many conservative pundits wanted to beat up Robert Mueller and wanted to beat up his team and as much as Donald Trump wanted to suggest that they were a bunch of angry Democrats trying to to run Trump into the ground or trying to unfairly tarnish his reputation, the truth is most of these guys were actually pretty fair and balanced in their approach to dealing with these various criminal prosecutions, not only in the Trump probe and the Russian delusion investigation, but in so many other cases throughout their career. These men and women were chosen specifically because they appeared to be fair and balanced. And so, like I said, as, as often as as conspiracy theorists and and conservatives and and those on the left and I guess everybody really as much as they wanted to deride these these members of the Mueller team for being crooks or or unfair the public record does not seem to hint that's true so we have a lot going on here with the uh, with the Trump administration and the the Mueller team um throwing barbs at each other or, or, well, and honestly, the, the Mueller team never really threw a whole lot of barbs at president Trump himself. So, um, here we are. We have come to the conclusion that no collusion with the Russian government And Donald Trump and his campaign existed. This quote from the letter to Congress from Mr. Barr says pretty much everything you need to know. Mr. Barr wrote in his letter, he said, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein and I have concluded that the evidence developed during the special counsel's investigation is not sufficient to establish that the president committed an obstruction of justice offense. So that's that's a big one. Because that was the next claim after after the fact that they had said no collusion, no evidence to suggest any collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. The next statement, the next big statement, was that there was not sufficient evidence to establish that the president committed an obstruction of justice offense. Now, the left is going to tell you, and the and the Democrats are going to argue with you, and they're going to tell you that, well, that's just because they couldn't prove it. That doesn't mean he didn't obstruct justice. Well, that's not necessarily the case. There. So let's just say, for example, you are driving down the highway. You get pulled over by a... Uh, a highway patrolman for speeding. And the highway patrolman determines that you may have committed some other crime. And he wants to search your car. He wants to dig through your personal effects or whatever to see if he can find the necessary evidence to determine whether or not you've committed additional crime beyond speeding. Now, you haven't. You've not committed any other crime. You don't have any illegal contraband in your car. There's no dead bodies in your trunk. There's nothing like that. You've not done anything other than breaking the, the speeding laws. So you tell the the police officer, the highway patrolman, no, I do not want you to search my car. I do not want you to search my trunk. I do not give my consent for you to search my personal effects. The highway patrolman then goes to a judge, detains you, goes to a judge, detains you on reasonable suspicion, whatever, goes to a judge, gets a warrant to search your car and your personal effects, which he does and finds no evidence that you've committed any crime. Well, he finds an empty beer can in the trunk that that fell out of a garbage bag from that time you were at the lake a couple of months ago, and you forgot about it. And technically, maybe he could charge you with open container, but not really because it was more garbage than it was an open alcohol container. So there's not really a crime there, but there's not enough evidence to prove there was a crime either. So the judge throws it out, and the highway patrolman says, but that's obstruction of justice. He refused to let me search his trunk. He refused. I had to get a, a a search warrant and all that sort of thing. That's that's essentially and and I'm oversimplifying and 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 trying to to somewhat compare apples to oranges here. I get that, but that's that's the kind of thing that we're talking about here. There was no real evidence to establish an, an obstruction of justice offense other than. Maybe President Trump and his campaign just didn't completely cooperate as kindly as they could have. They could have maybe been more accommodating to the Mueller team, but the problem is, even if they had been more accommodating, there still wouldn't be sufficient evidence to establish such a crime. So it it gets it gets a little. And again, I'm not an attorney, so I may be misunderstanding this, but from the the reading I've done, the research that I've done, that's essentially what happened. The the issues of, quote-unquote, obstruction of justice were simply that they didn't cooperate as kindly as they could have. And even though they didn't cooperate as kindly as they could have, it didn't really matter because there wasn't enough evidence to suggest... Obstruction of justice. They didn't bribe anybody. They didn't murder anybody to cover up the facts. They didn't try to um, hide, you know, shred documents or anything like that. There was no obstruction of justice that way. It was just not quite as as amicable of a discussion as it could have been at times. Um, Mr. Mueller said in his report, that while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him. Which is an interesting thought process to me. Like if if it does not conclude that he committed a crime, then that's exactly what it does. It exonerates him. So that that's one of the things that I question, and I'd like to have Robert Mueller maybe explain. In an interview to somebody, of course, he's not going to, right? We're not going to ever hear from Robert Mueller. Um, he may, in a couple of years, write a book and make several million dollars off of it. You know, my time with with the the Russian delusion investigation, and and some publisher is going to pay him a gazillion dollars to to share his thoughts, his insight. Um, which of course will be heavily redacted and won't really. T- Reveal anything we didn't already know anyway. Um, There was no collusion with Russia. There was no obstruction of justice. And the past two years of this investigation, um, I think, did more damage to the credibility of Congress and the credibility of the radical left than it did to the credibility of Donald Trump. Which is somewhat surprising to me. Because as a guy who really didn't care much for Donald Trump, as a guy who was on the never Trump bandwagon uh, early on, I I I didn't vote for Donald Trump. I did not have have any desire to be a part of the the Trump train. I thought Donald Trump was, um, at best, a dirtbag liberal pretending to be a conservative. I thought the best we were going to get was Donald Trump making all kinds of conservative claims and brags during the campaign, who would then turn out to be nothing more than a radical lefty. In right wing clothing, that did not necessarily turn out to be true. The, I I've had to eat crow a few times. I was convinced that Donald Trump was going to be um, farther left than than any Republican president in history. And like I said, the truth is i've I've had to uh, I've had to apologize. I've had to admit that I was wrong on that. And come this fall. I may end up voting for Trump. I didn't vote for him the first time around. Or come, sorry, it would actually be next fall. Come come November 2019, or 2020, um, I'll vote most likely for Donald Trump if he runs again. Or, of course, unless a different candidate somehow beats him in the primaries, which I doubt is going to happen. But as a guy who who really didn't care much for Donald Trump, I've I said several times, if the if the if the report the investigation by Mueller and his team shows up or, or comes out and shows that, that Donald Trump did collude with the Russians, that he did on some level commit treason or 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 was guilty of obstruction of justice or whatever, string him up. Throw the book at him, drive him out of office, force him to resign, impeach him if necessary, whatever whatever needs to happen. To bring justice do it because the difference between where i'm at as a conservative and where most leftists are at with their favorite heroes um i don't care what the letter behind trump's name is if he's guilty he's guilty i don't care if i voted for him if he's guilty he's guilty and I say string him up if that's the case but obviously we've gotten to a place with the with the report and the investigation that there was no collusion there was no obstruction of justice and therefore he's not guilty let's move on let's let's put a pin in this let's move into um continuing to get the country on the right track the economy's going in the right direction We've got more work to do. We need to, you know, I'd love to see a national concealed carry law. The The Second Amendment is a federal issue. It is not something that should be left to the states because specifically Article or, uh, Amendment 10 of the Constitution says that is specifically left to the, the federal government. So I'd love to see Donald Trump and his administration push for a a national concealed carry law actually a national concealed carry um constitutional carry law is what i'd like to see um there's more work to be done we still got to get the wall built we we still got to deal with border security and even even if it's not building a wall like a specific like a, a like a literal Physical wall, I think that's the best bet. I think that's the best approach. I think that's the most um, uh, effective way to to deal with that issue. But even if it's, it's not a physical wall, we've got to deal with border security. We've got to handle border security in a significant way. That is something that Donald Trump uh, campaigned on, promised that he was going to deliver and the Democrats have ex- obstructed it at every uh, step. And the truth is, the Democrats don't care about border security. They don't care about whether or not we get a wall or whether we don't get a wall. In fact, many of them for years have said we need to strengthen our border security. And now all of a sudden, because Donald Trump is saying we need a wall, they're opposed to it. The only thing Donald, the only thing the Democrats stand for is opposing Donald Trump. Period. It, it, and and opposing the Republican Party, not just Donald Trump. You know don't kid yourself to think that Donald Trump is the only uh target of the of the left. The only thing they care about is opposing the the Republican Party accomplishing anything. Because they know that if the Republican Party and the conservatives in this country are able to accomplish anything, they will look even sillier than they already are. They know that any victory, no matter how small, for the conservative movement will put an absolute end to them being even moderately relevant in this country. North Dakota, where I live, North Dakota is the perfect example of the irrelevance of the Democrat Party. So much so that it is causing problems, in my opinion, in the in the Republican Party. The Democrat Party in North Dakota is so irrelevant because they their their views and the radical views of the mainstream left, you know, the Nancy Pelosi's, the Chuck Schumer's, the Maxine Waters, the uh, the Alexandria Ocasio cortezs and 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 the like, they are so far radically left that it is is bled over into the Democrat Party in North Dakota, which used to be fairly logical and rational. I disagreed with their, their viewpoints, their policies, but they seemed to be genuinely rational people who had in their mind the best interest of the state. Even though I disagreed that that was the best interest of the state, they at least genuinely wanted what was best for North Dakota. They just had a different view on how to make that happen. The problem with with where they have gotten to in North Dakota is that they have bought into the, the lie and the rhetoric of the radical left, and it has made them completely and totally irrelevant in this state. They don't hold a single statewide office at all. From the governor's office to the, the public service commission to the education department to the attorney general's office to the auditor's office to the secretary of state's office, There is not a, the uh, agricultural commissioner, the tax commissioner, there is not a single Democrat in any statewide held office in North Dakota because they have completely made themselves irrelevant. And, And the Democrats on a national stage know that if they continue to lose and they continue to have their ideas shot down or proven to be wrong through even the smallest of victories by the conservative movement or the republicans or whatever they know that they will too also become or they will too they will also become irrelevant they know that the the more conservative ideologies succeed the less relevant they become so they can't allow Donald Trump to get a wall, to build a wall, to, to effectively and, and decisively deal with border security because they know that if Donald Trump gets a wall and it works, they're done for. They can't allow Donald Trump to have tax cuts that are effective in helping grow the economy because they know that if he does, that they will no longer be relevant. They can't allow him to to be tough on crime because if he know they know if he's tough on crime and it works and the standard of living for the 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 people of this country improves they know that they will no longer be relevant. The here's here's the problem with with leftist ideology and the left in this country If anything besides their ideology succeeds, they become irrelevant. They lose power. So they need Donald Trump to fail. They need Republicans and conservatives to fail. And not only do they need it, they're cheering for it. They're hoping for it. There's a representative, a North Dakota state representative right here in in my city who went on Facebook and publicly hoped for the death of the president and the vice president. She said something that she took a quiz on Facebook and learned that if something happened to President Trump and to Vice President Pence, that Nancy Pelosi would become the president. So first of all, you're a sitting state representative and you don't understand the chain of succession in the presidency you probably shouldn't be sitting as a state representative. If you're that ignorant of of civics, you probably shouldn't be sitting as a state representative. But, hey, whatever. The people voted you in, it's your seat. She then went on to say, we can only dream, literally dreaming and hoping for, the death or incapacitation of both the president and the vice president. The left has moved into a place in society where they are actively hoping for this country to fail so that they can maintain power. And this is not, again, this is not some radical, crazy, you know, San Francisco lefty. This is not some radical nut from California that can be easily dismissed. Ah, they're just California. That's just how they are. That, that, that's, that's, This is someone from ultra, ultra red state, a representative from a red, red, deep red state, hoping for, dreaming for something bad to happen to the president and the vice president so that her party can maintain power. That's where the Democrat party is. That's where the Democrat party has, has gotten to. They have, they have gotten to a place where they are actively hoping for the downfall of their own country so that their party can maintain control. That's where we're at with the Democrats. And again, like I said, this isn't some radical lefty from California that can be easily dismissed. This isn't some kook from Florida. This isn't some, you know, Seattle, you know, hippie dippy liberal. This is a Democrat from a deep, deep red state that went for Donald Trump by 65-plus percent, hoping for, actively hoping for the death and or incapacitation of both the vice president and the president. The question I ask is, How corrupt do you have to be to hope for the demise of another human being just because you want your party to be in charge? I never really liked President Obama. I certainly didn't like the Clintons. I wasn't a huge fan of George W. Bush. I didn't like Eric Holder. I don't like Bernie Sanders. I have no desire to become friends with Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Maxine Waters is a kook. Sheila Jackson Lee is off her rocker. Nancy Pelosi's just as crazy. Chuck Schumer. I don't know, seems like a decent dude, but he's completely misguided in policy. I don't hope for any of their demise. I don't want to see any of them harmed. I don't want to see them dead. I want to see them voted out of office. I want to see them defeated in the next election. But here's the thing, I want them to be successful in whatever it is they do. Because success breeds success, right? As Donald Trump succeeds as president, more and more success comes to the nation. And if more and more success comes to the nation, then more and more success will come to North Dakota. And more and more success will come to my city. And more and more success will come to me. And I don't care who the president is. I want them to succeed. I want them to go down in history as the greatest president that has ever lived. I want them to go down in history as the greatest president this nation has ever seen, has created the longest period of of peacetime prosperity the nation has ever seen since its founding. I want him to pass effective legislation, or I should say sign effective legislation into law, that has been properly passed by a successful Congress. And I want to see that happen because that means our country is succeeding. And if our country is succeeding, then I am succeeding. And I don't care if they're Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, whatever. Now, I have very little faith that anything of the leftist ideology is going to be successful. But I don't mind admitting I'm wrong. If admitting I'm wrong means prosperity for me, my family and my friends. Heck, I don't even mind admitting I'm wrong if prosperity if it means prosperity for people I don't know and never met. Because like I said, prosperity breeds prosperity. I want to see success. I want other people's to see other people to see success, because them seeing success will spread. If a business is able to see growth, that means they're hiring more people. They're giving more people jobs, and if they're giving more people jobs, there's less poverty. If there's less poverty, there's less need for welfare. If there's less need for welfare. My taxes go down. If my taxes go down, I can succeed even more. I can keep more for myself and for my family. Like, this isn't that hard of a concept. So for those of you on the left who are, are wringing your hands and, 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 and singing the songs of doom and, and the funeral dirges of the Mueller investigation... I suggest you reevaluate your priorities because there was a day, there was a time that whether we liked it or not, whether we were in line with the policies of the opposition party, we could at least rest on the fact that they believed that in their heads that they were doing what was best for this country. But when you have a party in the deepest red of red states like North Dakota and that their representatives are actively wishing for the death or incapacitation of both the president and the vice president so their party can take power, they no longer have the best interest of this country in mind. Now, they'll tell you they do. They'll say, oh, I... Donald Trump is so dangerous for this country that we have to we have to see him, you know, run out of office as soon as possible. There have been forty-four other presidents before Donald Trump. Some of them better, some of them worse. None of them have single handedly taken down this country or single handedly made this country prosper. The greatest threat to this nation is not going to come from the White House. The greatest threat to this nation, as far as political discussions go, the greatest threat to this nation is going to come from Congress. And Congress abdicating their power to the White House. And abdicating their power to the White House in such a way that it begins to set up a de facto monarchy. So the Mueller delusion, or sorry, the uh, the Russian delusion investigation coming to an end is not going to be the end of anything. The left is going to continue to ramp up their attacks. They're going to continue to to drive this false narrative that Donald Trump is the worst thing for humanity since Satan. And maybe even worse. And in the end of his four year term, he'll either be elected or not to a second term. And at the end of that four year term, if he is reelected, the nation will continue and will move on. Unless, of course, Congress continues to abdicate abdicate their responsibility there's a lot more to talk about but we're out of time for the for the day i apologize for the uh for the false start and the uh the struggle to get going as i said we're in the new studio today uh for the first time and we're moving things forward and hopefully we'll get the streaming issues figured out for next week and get things moving and rocking and roll it in the correct direction so with that we will see you next week i'm brad schmidt This has been the Schmidt Show podcast. If you want to support us, I would very much appreciate it. Go to Patreon and sign up to be a member of the Schmidt Head Brigade. You can maybe even get one of these cool Schmidt Heads Unite t-shirt. If you're watching on the video, you can see it. Um, I'm wearing one. Um, If you want one, shoot me a message on the podcast website, podcast.theschmidtshow.com through the contact page. We'll try and get you one. Um, We do have to charge a little bit for them because they're not cheap to make. These are really high-quality Antigua sport shirts. So, uh, Anyway, join us, support us, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, follow us on YouTube, follow us on Patreon, follow us all over the Internet. Go to podcast.theschmittshow.com or just go to theschmittshow.com and get all the same information there. We'll see you next week. Thank you.